It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And preseason week one is in the books. And Matt LaFleur has ripped off a fart. No, he's ripped off a win, which is great. Uh, but uh, I did a bit of analysis on the game. I'm a bit confused. I think I was watching a different game, to be honest. Because uh, some of the stuff that I see coming out from all sources saying that this was some sort of majestic showing um, has me a little bit perturbed. So I think what I'll do is, is as usual, I've watched the game. I've taken notes throughout. I haven't been regurgitating anybody else's stuff. Uh, and I'll bring you sort of my take. And if anyone else has sort of rewatched the game, let me know if you feel this way too, because one of the comments I'm talking about is, is someone come out and said, oh, at least we have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I was like, hey, you know, were you watching different game to me? It's not what I saw. A different take on that um, and not just to have a different take because that is super obnoxious when someone goes oh you think Aaron Rodgers is good but let me give you four reasons why this is not good uh, so that's obnoxious so I'm not going to go there and I want to get into some Packer news uh, before and look this isn't um, a massive negative on the game and to say that it's terrible and we're in big trouble and all that kind of stuff but just some of the nuances that I saw and some of the stuff that shocked me too but before we get into Packers news and before we get into the game review, which, as I say, is hopefully different than, you know, what you've been hearing from other people. Um, let me just get into some news on meetups and how much I'm pulling my hair out about Cardiff. So, Cardiff, why, why do you hate me? Why? So here's the deal. I had it ready. I had it booked and confirmed with a venue and they got back and said that everything was all gravy. And... Yeah, I'd even spoke to them on the phone, uh, confirmed over email, gave assurances and was just fine tuning the details of what they'll give us for the welcome drink and all the rest. I even, I it was so confirmed that I had all of the stuff done up, all the promo stuff done up uh, to let everybody know I had an email ready to go. I had a graphic ready to go and um, I almost had my flights to Cardiff booked because my problem is as well is that I have to be there to plug in the laptop to stream the game and to chaperone people around the place and to you know sign people in which the venue are not going to do and so I've got to make sure that I get over there and the later it gets now um, the worse it's going to be because the flight price will go up as well so that's something that's worrying me right so I had the venue on lockdown and then I got an email on Friday um, at 5 to 11 midnight saying that actually no we're going to cancel this uh you know we're unsure about the stream thing and also uh there was some other reasons thrown in right uh which look i really like this venue and i hope that we can do an event there so like i'm obviously i'm not going to bash the venue i understand their concerns or if they don't have things covered on their end or whatever uh but it's just uh, it's just annoying i'm not going to say heartbreaking because it's a real first world problem but you know, to have the venue locked down and that stops me then from going forward and trying to contact other venues obviously and then to be told at 5 to midnight on Friday uh, that they can't do it after saying that everything was all gravy and that we'd work away and they've got us booked in and we look forward to seeing you there blah 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 so now I'm back to square one with Cardiff now again I've got I contacted another couple of places they just you know outright said they couldn't do it um, but I've got one in the pipeline that they've said provisionally that it looks 
good and that they just need to look into stuff on their end but again this is what i'm saying about the meetups right this is the point that i've been at with so many venues and so many locations so here's my reckoning we have manchester meetup which is the 15th of september that's locked in and um, so if you want to go to that one that can be booked now again the only reason we sell tickets is to get numbers to give to the venue the earlier you book uh, the better it is for us because then we can go back to the venue and say we have x amount of people like you know how many food platters can you put on and what kind of stuff can you give us or whatever and um, because the bigger the numbers the bigger the promotions right and um, so there's that aspect of it but cardiff is a pain in the arse so this is what i'm saying about cardiff if you're a welsh cardiff resident or live in swansea or are from bristol we you know we picked cardiff because it was in between the two of those locations here's how it's going to have to go down if you live in cardiff and you know a person who knows a person who has a bar in cardiff that can pull this stuff off if you go to a place in cardiff that regularly shows nfl or streams it um well then send us on the details and we'd be ha i'd be happy to to get any morsel that i can now at this stage because we've pretty much ran through the top 10 to 20 sports bars in cardiff and um, all sort of with small amounts of success tend to be blocked and say we can't do this and um, so if you have any options the other option that i can potentially do is, is move it to bristol or move it to swansea right which obviously uh, if i move it to bristol it's bad for all of our people in swansea if i move it to swansea it's extra bad for the people in bristol and um, so that's why cardiff was picked however if you know an area in around that give me a shout let me know and we'll try to sort it out so that's where the meetups are at so i'm hoping to get manchester which is locked down which is fine you can book that now and please do um, and then if we can get Cardiff down or Bristol or whatever you see the later it gets the more expensive the flights get and the more awkward it gets and the more last minute I am absolutely happy you know within a week's notice of when we know what the schedule is and if we're on TV is to organize an event but it's going to have to be informal it's going to be right lads it's on in Legends Bar or it's on in you know whatever bar and just send us to a place in Cardiff to say that's where it's going to be on we're not going to be there um, you know it's not going to have that kind of there won't be raffles on the night and everything else it's going to be informal and i'm happy to do that for loads of locations on the week um but this was one that we wanted to stand over and do and, and really bring it to wales but uh yeah a bit of a spanner in the works and then after that then we're working on glasgow as well but we're kind of having the same problems Ah, uh, fantastic to joyce but the only thing is is glasgow is you know after the lambo meetup so we still have a good bit of lead-in time cardiff is kind of getting to squeaky bum time now but anyway i don't waste too much time talking about it let's get on to packers news danny vitale muscle man injured injured calf and that's why we've signed fullback tommy bohannon right so bohannon's worked with nathaniel hackett before uh, he's allegedly pretty high in him he's got experience with jets with the jags so this is concerning because what i'm seeing online is that there was massive sort of stuff for danny vitale and i'm going to get into the game uh, the preseason game and i was very impressed by what i saw from vitale he seemed to always be open uh good hands really a lot a lot of effort there and the fullback really does seem to be an escape valve for this offense so what I like seeing is, is I like seeing pundits and I like seeing coaches come out and say what we're going to expect from a LaFleur offense. Um, but we never really got a chance to see it because the stuff that we get given in preseason training camp and all the rest, I mean, it's pretty vanilla stuff, especially when you're coming up against the Texans and they don't want to give their hand away in preseason either. Um, and I, I say an awful lot of the stuff that is going to be inventive and is going to knock our socks off is the stuff that Aaron Rodgers had a glint in his eye about and said how fantastic it was so this is the first time that we got to see kind of how it operates um now i didn't see a whole lot of bunch formations or anything really inventive with the tight ends or wide receivers in the game but certainly i saw that escape valve scheme going on with the full backs and running backs where you know danny vitale seemed at times to always be open and 
the, there was one time in fact where Kaiser had you know one bad pass to him and also he was wide open but Kaiser chose to run instead for a two yard I think it was a two yard gain I'll get into it now uh, in a short while so that was fun to see so with him injured and with all the pundits saying that we only carry one fullback and the rest of them being you know you're running back um it's it's a bad it's really bad time and it's like Kumaro last year you know where he sort of shoulder rolled into the end zone pre-season to get the touchdown it was something like a 60 yard uh pass completion most of it he ran himself and this is another occasion where someone who is really trending up does like you know 700 articles about it the dude's got tattoos so obviously that's fascinating for people and um, he seems like a, a good guy he's in the media he's got Aaron Rodgers trust and now he gets that calf injury. So I don't know how long he's going to be out. But the reason that they brought Bohannon in was because LaFleur had to end up changing his scheme in practice. And, you know, the tight ends weren't getting the proper reps they were going to get because they're sort of used as the lead blockers uh, to clear out for the fullback to have space. Um, so that was completely changed. So, you know, Goody goes out and gets him, uh, Tommy Bohannon. But there's an awful lot made about, oh, Hackett saw him once in line for a Starbucks and that means he's going to make the team. It's not guaranteed. He's in. Uh, he's going to do a good job, I would reckon, uh, to a large extent, in the sense that he's not a naive rookie. He's going to allow LaFleur to operate practice how he wants to operate. Uh, but again, according to Tom Silverstein, 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 uh, in five seasons in the NFL, Bohannon has uh, played you know, nearly half of the games. Um, and... You know, 72 yards, two touchdowns, 29 passes, 232 yards. You know, not numbers that'll blow you away, but it's because hit fullback. Um, but again, he contributed, you know, for the Jags and he is known to hack it um, as well. So um, another sort of nice story that I'm seeing is that Green Bay have signed safety Ibrahim Campbell. I was really impressed by this guy. So they waived Kennel Donerson, who everyone will remember from the Winston Moss rap. <laughs> He was one of the guys that they asked Winston Moss about and he was sort of mean mugging them. Um, and then the other story that's came out this week uh, per Rob Domofsky is Jamon Moore. Uh, we saw that interview with Matt LaFleur where he says that it's his best practice all all year. Um, and the reason is because he didn't drop the ball once. So that's a real problem with Jamon Moore. Again, I want to talk about Jamon and how he really is on the bubble and he's kind of being beaten out by uh, Darius Shepard in an awful lot of, you know, predictor 53-man rosters or whatever. Um, so again, not having, uh, not really having a good run in this time around either. You know, surprisingly appeared in more games than you would think last season, but the criticism is warranted. I mean, if I look at him, his technique is bad. Uh, you know, where there's some times where he should be putting the hands out in this pre in the preseason game just gone where he doesn't he tries to take it into his body now and all people are out there screaming and saying oh well that's Steve that's what you're supposed to do but not if he can't take it into the bread basket you know when you're when you have to reach out and grab it because if you don't it can end up really badly for um interception being one of them you know where he should be reaching out and having the confidence to pull that ball in and in some of the articles that I'm, I'm reading about Jamon Moore the cover photo is him uh, getting smacked in the forehead with a ball which isn't the best of things so again a guy whose ceiling was so high and a guy who is still you know seen pretty high and people are pretty high in him and they're just sort of saying you know he has the talent he's he's proven it before there's tape out there where he's fantastic in college and they you know they're disappointed in him but he he even he says that it's warranted you know that he's he criticizes himself he knows he's better and it's a real problem and because of this, and because of the showing that we're going to see, do you know what? Like preseason is is really big for some players. People discount it and they they don't bother watching it. It's on of a Thursday. They catch the highlights, um, and then they leave it at that. Whereas 
I'd strongly recommend watching a preseason game or two because it is pretty telling. Because these are second, third, fourth string guys, but they're still playing their heart out, you know. Um, and the thing that really struck me was the amount of missed tackles and all the rest, which I will get into. Um, but again, uh, per Rob Domofsky, some some good uh, vintage stuff from A-Rod, you know, three straight touchdowns. Uh, Kumro's toe-tapping his way around like Fred Astaire. Uh, Devontae Adams is coming down with some. Jimmy Graham is coming down with touchdowns. But again, he raises concerns with stuff in the red zone. And I'd say that as well. Now, you can't read too much into a preseason game. I understand that. We have Kaiser there, Boyle there. So the real thing will be if Aaron Rodgers gets a run out for the Ravens, how we can move that in that first possession. And I'd say they'll, they'll get him off the field. But um, how they can move it. And I'll talk about some of the scheme stuff that we, we saw in that first game. What people are telling us that we should see. And evidence of that that I saw um, in that game a nice little uh, tidbit that comes out and like I said I mean with the fullback they depend on the tight ends to be the lead blockers for running backs and fullbacks um, screen passes uh, you know dump offs safety valve stuff uh, Jimmy Graham uh, one one on one versus Rashawn Gary which is another player that I kind of wanted to give sort of a mention um, you know he was played quite a lot in the first part of the preseason game and I know I'm kind of dipping into it but I'll, I'll jump straight in now soon um, I'm just testing the water uh, Rashawn Gary yeah, he was okay, you know, there was some of the stuff where, and I've seen someone put it expertly where they said that, you know, he's a powerful guy, but they seem to use that power against him, there was an awful lot kind of heralded that he was shoving Texans up the field um, in practice, but certainly game time, he got pressure, but there was other times that they just nullified him, with just shoving him off to the side, um, so again, good effort, but not a game wrecker, like, you know, we're sort of fed this stuff from the media that, Oh, a practice anytime a mad play kicks off, it's always Rashan Gary. Um, I didn't see that in the preseason game. I didn't see evidence of that. I'm sure it'll get better, but you know, talking to the defense, not me, but uh, the media talking to the defensive coaches, they asked him about Rashan Gary, and they said, "Look, he's he's got a lot to learn technique wise. You know, he's strong, uh, he's powerful, but you know, they're asking him to do an awful lot of things, and he needs to get technically better at all those things." And of course, the big news coming out is Oren Burks is injured again. Uh, so he was injured last year with a shoulder injury. Suspected that it was a shoulder injury in the preseason game, but apparently it's a torn pec. So they're saying that he could miss all of the next season. Bolton coming in. Uh, Ty Summers coming in, taking more reps to replace him. Um, and Ty Summers actually pretty impressive against the Texans. Now, I do have stuff written down about him missing tackles and he's left fl you know, flat-footed and stuff in the game. He's got a, a lot to learn. He's a late draft pick. Um, but again, like super impressive stuff, commanding. Uh, and to say that Petten was saying that once the chatter goes down, it shows that the players don't really know what they're doing within the scheme. So it was good to see him chatting away, you know, calling out plays and coverages uh, and really getting his hands dirty. He had the most tackles on the night, uh, which is fantastic. So look, we're, we're thin at that spot again. So whether Petten is dangerously thin or whether, you know, he gets dangerously inventive, um, you know, dropping safeties, uh, into that role in the scheme I don't know it's going to be intriguing to see how we shore that up because again you don't really want you know weakness in the armor at any point and we're already hitting that spot now it's been a bit of a weird preseason again you know running backs being injured Danny Vitale fullbacks being injured uh, ESB is now injured as well he's after being uh, carted off uh, Trevor Davis who made a big impression and would have you know decisions to be made he gets injured in that joint practice um so now you know Oren Burks who there was so many long form pieces written about and people were going back to his hometown talking to his coaches his family and his pet hamster and all of a sudden he gets an injury as well it just goes to show I mean there's an awful lot of preseason stuff 
and an awful lot of journalists dive into like, oh, here's a player you don't know about, but you will soon. You know, and it, 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 as I say all the time, it's tough to be in the industry, I would imagine, um, and have to come out with these pieces. But here's here's an exact example, you know. Here's Oren Burks injured again. Will he ever reach potential? Will he be gone for the full year? Will they move on in the meantime? Um, who knows? Who knows? So the backup quarterback situation, uh, as we see, still in flux. Um, Kaiser was okay on the night. If you look at his passer rating, it's it's flattering, I guess. Um, but again, if you look at some of those passes, the one that he hit Shepard with for the touchdown, he could have got him murdered. You know, he's hitting more, which he dropped, which was behind more, which you kind of expect him to pull in. But again, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great one. Uh, missed a, a dump off pass to Vitali. He ends up running it himself for like a two yard gain, but ends the night eight for 13 for 102 yards and a touchdown. Boyle, on the other hand, 40% of all Boyle's passes were touchdowns. So second, <laughs> not that we can judge it by that. But yeah, he went three of five or two touchdowns for 40 yards. Touchdown passes to Moore and Lazard. Uh, more, which we'll get on to later. Uh, Lazard, that was an absolute laser for 27 yards. It was great. Now, the positive to take from it, and I'll get on to sort of the, the game summary of how I saw it. Now, the positives to take was is 26 players set out, 16 starters. Um, and the only people that made plays on defense, I believe, was Montrevious Adams. Uh, Darnell Savage came in, but he was it was a flash, and Oren Parks was in before he got injured with that peck injury. So I guess, you know, what we've been promised... With the Matt LaFleur style of play is that the receivers are schemed open. Um, that was more of a balance with running back play, which I certainly saw. There was one stage where I, I thought, you know, Williams was going to leave with a back injury, Dexter Williams, because they'd ran him like six times in a row. Um, you know, there's going to be more screens and dump screens and dump offs and screams, uh, which I have certainly saw. There was like the running backs more often than not were kind of available to, to have that dump off release valve play. Um you know, there's there's less of sort of off schedule plays, so that's the sort of controversy number one that we saw, where apparently Aaron Rodgers or whatever the quarterback would be would be fed option plays. You know, you'd have three plays that you can, three options you can go to, and uh, three style of plays, but you don't start scrambling around and legging it around the place. And there's a good article I read, I can't remember who it was from, um, I think it was on PackersNews.com, uh, where they talk about you know Mike McCarthy having like a, a two and a half second buzzer that would go off and after that point you'd see Aaron Rodgers start running about and scrambling about the place on the on the sort of you know off the top of the dome uh, plays whereas this time around he's expected to sit in the pocket and that's what Aaron Rodgers has come out and said you know so you know the the chance to audible uh, is being pulled away and that's the controversy number one where Aaron Rodgers is like well you, you know you can't just take that part away from me and then they were saying oh look here they are and, you know knocking heads already he wants to audible he's not allowed he's not happy blah 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 uh, which is a massive uh, shut your tatas moment um, and we'll strictly move on uh, the bigger part for the tight ends uh, Jimmy Graham specifically so again we see all this stuff coming out like Jimmy Graham is the old Jimmy Graham um, but he's expected to do more block more um, and as well as that, we we should expect more bunch formations. I didn't really see that in this preseason game. More rub routes, uh, which confuses the defense. And if the defense don't line up and and, and level that, because the only way to sort of um, to defend against rub routes is to have sort of different levels on your defense. Don't all sort of try do man coverage and line up on the same level. You you effectively have to play man zone, if that makes sense. Is that just sort of one person will sit five yards off the other defender? 
to try catch the receivers as they come through because part of that bunch formation that we see with the Rams is is that they'll all run together and all start crisscrossing so the defenders you'll find start falling over each other and that's how you break them open um, which is a great thing to do however uh, you know we've seen it with the Rams they have tape on it uh, and defenders can get pretty savvy and the Patriots are pretty good at defending against stuff like that so you can look at the Patriots as kind of a blueprint of how to defend against it although if you do it right it's very hard to defend um, and again we what we want to see is a sort of pre-snap movement again I didn't see a whole lot of that in this preseason game not that I was paying a whole lot of attention to it so someone can prove me wrong um, but we should expect to see some of that against the Ravens I would imagine with Aaron Rodgers in there because what they'll do is a bit of pre-snap movement uh, see what the defense is doing and and then get get cracking as well as that you know we should expect to see quick up-tempo play snapping the ball quickly getting to the line of scrimmage quickly so I wonder will that sort of you know rule out Aaron Rodgers hard count uh, he was always sort of pulling you know defenders offside with with his cadence so I wonder how they're going to use that now um, so that's what we should expect from a Matt LaFleur offense and if I delve into the uh, game as I saw it let's see if, if an awful lot of that stuff comes up so first off a thing of note here is is that Webb, uh, the Texans QB, was good, right? Not first-team starter good. He's a third stringer behind AJ McCarron, who's injured, um, and Deshaun Watson, who's a superstar, but they're not going to run him out the same as Aaron Rodgers. Um, but he's he's super serviceable, right? Ten-year veteran, jack-of-all-trades. We've seen him come in as a wide receiver. He plays on special teams. So he's better than a clueless rookie, third-string, naive player, and he's got some good legs. So we saw him run around an awful lot on the night. That's the first sort of overarching thing uh, to take account of here. Also, they had that continuity they kept him in. So like for us, you know, we had Deshaun Kaiser, then Boyle, uh, then Wilkins came in. So at least they had that kind of consistency with him. He got into a bit of a rhythm with the game. And uh, certainly he torched our defense a couple of times. And I'll get into that now in a second. The Crosby and Ficken battle is not what I expected. Now, I am biased against Crosby. He is my kicker man crush. He's on my top 10 list of people I can sleep with. And Joan can't get mad. Um, and what I fully expected was is for them to see what they had in Ficken in this game. Give him a good run out. Um, if, see if he kicks well and then start bringing Crosby more into the mix that wasn't the case in this game and I was shocked uh, so with the Crosby and Ficken they didn't get a chance at any field goals they just had two extra points apiece they both shared the kickoff uh, duties as well and then rumours came out that the Packers were in for a trade for Car Vid Vic which is the Ravens kicker who doesn't have a whole lot on tape uh, if I'm honest he, had, he was 8 for 9 on field goals and 9 for 9 on extra points on last year's preseason. Um, so, you know, and he only the one kick that he missed was for over fifty yards. So this is a guy who who had stuff on preseason, but Brett Hundley was a preseason MVP, and um, so that'll sort of show you. And the Jets were in for him as well, so he doubles up as a kicker and a punter. So I don't know what the the rationale was there. Was it sort of to to bring him in on a trade? Now the Vikings ended up getting him. The Bears went for him, but the Vikings ended up getting him for a twenty twenty fifth round pick. Um, by all intents on paper seems like a, a good kicker a dude from Norway there's a lot being made that like he's you know only 700 miles away from you know the Hall of Fame kicker and all this type of lark but anyway so he's good in the preseason but again it's preseason let's not get into Lions territory here where someone from their social media team said oh they were you know one of the number one teams uh, to what was it the number one teams in preseason or something they were like had a 12 and 4 record of preseason games over the last X amount of years which was like, why? Why would you put that out? You're only going to get smash out uh, by all the fan base, especially in the NFC North. 
you know, we're all we're too cold for that. All right, we're too tough for it. Um, we're not going to stand for it. Um, so, you know, there's an awful lot being made of that. So it it does seem like, and I know uh, a friend of the podcast, a friend of Ayers, uh, an all around good guy, Steve Sparks, sent us on a couple of articles just saying that you know, is this Goody's way to go? If he can get someone cheaper, and if the you know the difference between the price is not all that much, um, well then you know, does he go with the cheaper option? Which certainly seems like if he was going to bring this guy in, you would wonder, do they let Crosby and Ficken go? Do they cut Crosby and keep Ficken and the new dude? Who knows? But it's actually leaning towards now that they keep Ficken. However, I will say, the one thing that goes against Ficken was, is did anybody else see that comical tackle that he tried to make um, on special teams? He's certainly no Mason Crosby when it comes down to chasing uh, Cordell Patterson and knocking that ball out but anyway I'm biased I know I'm biased alright but I'm still going to make the prediction I'm going to put it out there I'm going to go down to the bookies no I'm not and just say that uh, Crosby still makes the team don't leave us Mason um, another thing about this game is is that the Texans dominated this game stat wise and on offense I felt that they dominated now people are going on about air defense and I'll get into that now um, but they dominated on first downs they literally doubled what we had <laughs> like exactly I don't know whether they planned it um, you know the 16 first downs versus their 8 passing and 10 rushing first downs versus their 5 um, again the penalties were high in the game particularly from the outset and I'll get into that now in literally 20 seconds and also the Texans pretty much had twice the amount of passing yards and over 40 yards more rushing um, so you know they'd higher yards per rush and they'd bigger time of possession as well so it really comes down to turnovers and that's something that Matt LaFleur gets to in his halftime interview which was real kind of an agitated like yeah that's that's the story like real candid and I'm really liking what I'm seeing lately from Matt LaFleur um, I don't know whether that's because I'm a grumpy Irishman who likes that going around from time to time but uh, certainly seems to kind of you know cut through the BS and just get straight to the point so if I may can I delve into some first half observations for you? And I'm going to just stick to the offense. I'm not going to talk about the defense just yet. So the first play of the game was a penalty on special teams, right? Raven Green blocking the back. And this was kind of the trend that I saw all game is that, you know, there was penalties on special teams, defense, offense. You know, we get something going and then there'll be a penalty there to kind of scuttle it. Now, is it a big deal? No, probably not. But it kind of shows a lack of discipline. And Raven Green, I would have expected on special teams to know better. Uh, those blocking the back stuff just drives me mental. We ended this season last season with just a, just a farcical um, penalty count on special teams. There was just dumb stuff going on all over the place. You know, people being offside on kickoffs and off on an offside onside kick. You know, so then the first play in offense uh, was a deep shot from Kaiser to MVS, which I was like, oh, I like the ballsy call. You know, you'd expected a handoff to start the game to sort of ease the jitters, but no, Kaiser rips a, a pass downfield and it was way off. And then the beer gets done for holding. Um, so again, it kind of shows like first team on. Sp- first play on special teams penalty first play on offense penalty but anyway Vitaly comes in with his first reception it wasn't an easy catch uh, and he falls forward for some yardage I love that next play is a run uh, so there was a good balance already of kind of run and pass Carson gets a heavy workload early on uh, but he couldn't get much going he did an average on the game of 1.9 yards per carry uh, which isn't great but what really impressed me on this first drive was Kumaro uh, makes an appearance uh, up the middle of the field dynamite catch and he had Roby draped all over him. Uh, now, it was a 14-yard gain. Let's not, you know, have too much of a good time um, in in the pants about Kumaro uh, for now. But again, like, really positive stuff, sure hands. And from what we see from Moore later on in this game, I don't think that can be understated. And it just sort of proves that Kumaro, consistent in practice, consistent in the game. Uh, then Kaiser shows... Um, 
sort of in action and runs instead of passing to a wide open Vitale. And it looks like my criticism is Pants because he rips off a 23-yard run then on the next play, but that's called back by an Alex Light penalty. So the first drive, I see that the fullback and the running back, you know, they're offering that safety valve uh, in Carson and Vitale, who are wide open quite a lot and give that option. Um, and then Kaiser, you know, makes sort of a dodgy throw to Vitale, makes a run when he probably should have dumped it off. So the second offensive possession, so the defense come on, but the second defensive possession, Williams is, is used for three consecutive runs um, and gets a first down. He explodes through the line. He ends up with a 4.4 yard per carry on the night, which was promising from him. And again, I hear all this talk about that he's not going to make the roster, that they'll just stash him on the practice squad. But the showing that he's given, to be honest, is enough on tape and he's got enough reps and reps in preseason that he's probably not going to land on the practice squad. But again, Kumaro comes in. Double coverage, uh, pulls down a pass for 13 yards. I just see confidence. I see him being open. And I really don't understand people saying, oh, hot take. Uh, Kumar's not going to make the squad I don't understand why that's a thing now you know if I look at the wide receiver core I see Devontae Adams and then I see it up for grabs now I know people are saying oh it's MVS and it is I guess uh, you know and Allison's in the mix uh, in the slot but I don't understand why Kumar wouldn't get a look in and why he wouldn't be above ESB and you know Darius Shepard and Jamon Moore um, now again they're saying we only carry five wide receivers with us on the roster um but i think he's one of them i don't understand but anyway uh penalty from the texans uh the you know the play stutters a bit and we punt um especially team mentioned here of course uh this was the one where there was fantastic hang time from jk scott and esb makes his way down the field uh it smacks off the uh receiver for the uh the returner for texas and he grabs the ball and goes in for a touchdown but again, more penalties on special teams. So on the extra point, Elton Jenkins penalised. The ball moves back for the kick. And then Crosby gets it over the um, gets it over the line. And then Crosby comes on then, not helping his cause, and bangs the ball out of bounds. And then it's the 40-yard line is where they start off their possessions uh, for the Texans, which makes it difficult um, on the defence. So the third offensive possession, it's just a couple of bad runs and a bad throw, uh, even though Vitaly was open and we punt the ball away. Um, and then the fourth offensive possession. This is where Jamon Moore comes in. So he's targeted. It's a good throw, um, but he slips and he misses the catch. So again, at least he didn't miss the catches and it went in and out of his hands, but he slips there and, you know, that would have been a big gain. Uh, then Tonyan leaps up, grabs 23 yards. Then it's a screen pass to Williams, which was excellently done for 18 yards. So the offense looks like it's really rolling. And then Moore finally catches one, uh, but he bobbles it for five yards. And when he's going to ground, he's very lucky to hold onto the ball. Um, he's targeted again. The pass is a little bit behind him, which is one that I was saying for Kaiser. He could have done better there. Uh, and then he drops the ball, but it's definitely still a catchable ball because it's in and out the hands. Uh, this ends with uh, Darius Shepard's touchdown. Uh, so Kaiser scrambles and puts the ball too high for Shepard and he could have got sawn in half uh, sawn in half I should say uh, and that's the end of the half for the offense so all in all you know what Matt LaFleur said he liked was that it was you know decisive play from the offense from Kaiser but there's some bad throws some kind of bad decisions mixed in with some good stuff so ultimately like I mean, what do we do here? I see literature out there that says that we carry Kaiser and Boyle. And this is the reason why. It's because Boyle and Kaiser haven't elevated themselves to be that number two. And I think we do worry if it comes to the stage again where A-Rod can't take the field. So defense, and this is what I want to talk about more. So I think this is more sort of telling here. Now, again, I know that most of the defensive starters were benched. 
uh, for this game but there was some stuff that I saw that wasn't very promising at all particularly on third down and this that's mentioned by Matt LaFleur so the first play of the game for the Texans it's banged into double coverage Burks and Savage uh, were on the coverage and it's a 21 yard game so that wasn't pretty uh, promising then there's a Texans penalty some good tackles by Summers Tony Brown Raven Green then third and 14 and this is one of six consecutive third downs that we can't defend which is frustrating because some of these were third and long so there's no real pressure up front and then we commit a holding penalty and then we give up a catch for first down because our Holman's on the coverage and it just gives this kind of nightmarish flashback to the Capers defense where it's third and long and there's all this scrambling going on and there's penalties being committed where you're just like just don't get penalized at this stage and then we just give up a long pass play so the next play was a Reggie Gilbert sack and this is the one where Barks got injured and Crawford comes in to take his place that was a great play by Reggie Gilbert he's looking very lively again seeing stuff out there that says that Reggie Gilbert doesn't make this squad um, so then Ty Summers makes some fantastic plays on the drive. Uh, you know, he tackles scrambling Joe Wave twice uh, before stuffing a run up the middle. And then it's second and nine and Holman makes a great play to intercept, diving to the ground on the re- and has uh, a bit of a return. But there's a penalty which wipes it out and then it's half the distance to the goal and then we, we give up that. So this one I'm saying, I mean, the penalties are annoying um, in this sense because it shows kind of a lack of discipline and then we kind of just cough up field position after we get that interception uh, by Holman which was a, a fantastic play um, second defensive stand 18 yards pass completion we give up a 10 yard run then it's first and 10 um, with a run up the middle Raven Green rips the ball from the running back Jones arms and Redmond returns it for 11 yards that was just an outstanding play by Raven Green to get a hand in there and pull it from the player I think it was even behind him as well which was fantastic so third defensive stand we give up a 9 yard pass which was a miss, missed tackle by Redmond and the Texans get a first down on the next play. 11-yard pass, the receiver wide open. Brown and Redmond on the coverage. Um, then the next few plays, there's some good coverage by Jamerson, Holman, Summers, Sullivan. So it's a nice sort of stretch of play. It, we get them to third and nine. Then Webb runs for 13 yards. Uh, so that's his third run over 10 yards in the game. And then we get to third and 12. Webb runs again for a first down uh, with Summers missing that tackle. It's first and goal. Summers gets the stop on the first run attempt, but then Lancaster misses a tackle and the Texans run it in for a touchdown. So again, I mean, that was too easy. You know, we two third and longs and we just let them get away with it. And then when they get to the goal line, it's another missed tackle. So it's stuff that we need to polish up as we move through the preseason, which I know is hard to do in practice. So we're fourth defensive stand, which is the last before the half. Um, you know, we run stop, they pass to nowhere. Um, then Jamerson misses a tackle on third down and they get a big gain again. So again, another third and long and again, another missed tackle. Uh, then they rip off a 12-yard run uh, for a first down. We stop them for five yards. Then it's third and three, again, third down, and they pass for 12 yards. So again, they're six of six at this stage on third down, which is troubling. So then the drive stalls. Um, you know, there's a bad pass by Bolton. It's defense by Ento. Uh, Jamerson comes in and makes a tackle and they end up with a field goal. So it's 14-10 and we've reached half time. So Lafleur comes out and rightly says that they need to tackle better on D, which I've highlighted, absolutely. Um, they need to get off the field on third down, which is, again, absolutely, because there were six of six before that last one. And they ended up um, six of seven on the Texas side, uh, which is not good enough. Uh, they need to run the ball better, which I'd agree because some of those runs kind of went to nothing. And then there was, you know, turnovers on D and special teams, which were the difference. And I'd agree with that. So, you know, not for those turnovers, which was mixed in amongst 
you know, penalties, missed tackles, and just blown coverage and wide open receivers, uh, we were kind of in trouble there. Now, fully appreciate we're talking second and third stringers, but with the amount of injuries that we always face and every team faces, um, we could be in trouble in the sense that, you know, we have plain man coverage and the lads are sitting wide off or you have third and long and the lads are sitting too far off or we're not getting pressure or we do get pressure and it's the quarterback scrambling every time because as I said like that was Webb's third 10 plus uh, gain which is pretty shocking when you kind of expect it at that point what's the point in bringing all that pressure and getting all those sacks and again the missed tackles and everything else um, and the missed sacks and then he runs for for the first down and it's disappointing in that regard so all of this stuff coming out saying oh, you know, this defense is ridiculous. I can't believe what I'm seeing. This is amazing. You know, if you look at the box score and you see what we came down with and there was some fantastic, outstanding individual plays, but um, yeah, not up to scratch. Certainly not yet. So second half. And not to bore people with the details um, because I do see the defense definitely takes a step up when they come out. So I'd say Petten probably gave them an L kick in the arse uh, when they came out and got them going again. But Let's park the defense for a sec and let's go on and talk about the offense. Um, so they get the ball after an interception by Sullivan on a really athletic play. Uh, some great pressure up front. So Tim Boyle marches on. Now, as I said, three of five, two touchdowns, 40 yards, more than Lazard. 40% of his passes were touchdowns. So he's effectively like the Don Hudson of quarterbacks. I kid and I joke. So he gets the ball and he's already first and goal, right? A uh, bit of an easier task than Kaiser. Uh, one yard run doesn't go anywhere bad pass to Lazard and then it looked like DPI and Lazard which was challenged by LaFleur now if I can stop at this point right and I'm gonna to have to get a jingle about you know being a body language expert but certainly on this one I found that this was just after uh, LaFleur got interviewed and he seemed you know pretty short very direct loving it but I saw his body language here if anyone cares enough and if you have game pass or if you have it recorded somehow go back and look at LaFleur here and look at the way Aaron Rodgers and Mike Petten, they both look at him. It's like they're skirting around him a bit. So he, he's going to either lay the challenge or he just has. And if you look at the way Petten, it's like he wants... You know, like everyone's... Well, most people, not unless you run your own business and you are this guy. But you know where you go up to your boss, whoever it is. And you go up to them and they're on the phone or something. And you kind of go up and you're like... Oh, and you just sort of, you know, squeamishly squirm away. That's kind of what it seemed like. It's like they looked at him as if... They didn't know whether to say something and then they just kept their heads down. And I loved seeing it. I loved seeing that command um, and him sort of marching up and down uh, the sideline. So fourth and goal, perfectly catchable ball to Jamon Moore and it's dropped for a touchdown, but he's saved because the Texans come in a penalty. And then we try a first and goal run again. And then eventually um, Moore reels in the touchdown. Now, again, what I will say is the ball was bobbled again, uh, but he did bring it in. And then on the ensuing kickoff, Sam Ficken gets downfield, makes a really comical missed tackle. Uh, we get a penalty on Lazard. He gets down there too fast and they have to, you know, stop him somehow so they end up getting penalised. Um, but yeah, Ficken doesn't win any style points. And in fact, he comes off the, the field sort of adjusting his helmet. But anyway, onto the sixth offensive possession, 13-yard pass to Bayless. Now, this is one of the really quick decision things that I saw. Um, and this was fantastic. This is where, you know... Bayless gets down quickly, the ball is snapped quickly, everyone's up to the line of scrimmage, it's all good. He whips the ball out and a 13-yard pass. So that was some of the Matt LaFleur quick stuff um, that I was talking about. And this is something that Matt LaFleur said he was happy with, was the decisiveness. There was no delay of game penalties where, uh, you know, they were faffing around the line for too long. So then there's two nothing runs, Adam Pankey offside a penalty. 
Um, and this is followed by a deep pass to Lazard, who draws the DPI. The you know defender was all over him. Uh, then there's a slant to Shepard for 12 yards, which is again wiped out by a Cole Madison hold. Um, so again, we're seeing two penalties pretty much in quick succession, but it ultimately ends in a second and seven laser uh, to Lazard for 27 yards. And I just love his reaction. It's over Lonnie Johnson as well, the guy who um, injured uh, Trevor Davis and flexed over Jay Sternberger. Uh, we see... Lazard uh, come up and make that flex and then David Bakhtiari if you haven't seen it already goes and uh, tweets at Lonnie Johnson after that about the flex so that ends Boyle's contribution um, notable one albeit he has something fairly easy you know he comes onto the field he's got first and goal there's a bunch of runs uh, fourth down saved by the bell with that penalty comes back hits more again um, and then you know there's that DPI and that deep ball um, and he ends up sort of seeing his, his first and goal um, well not first and goal but seen very close to the end zone again and hits Lazar with that fantastic pass so seven defensive possession and this is the second last one Manny Wilkins comes in it's run heavy they hit Williams for a six yard run six yard run 14 yard run four yard run four yard run then it's a bad snap uh, Wilkins legs it for the first down with that weird juke thing that he did he sort of kind of stalls and then Cole Madison gets hit with a penalty again uh, ends up being first and 20 and that ends in a punt and then again you know special teams are short a player and they have to call a timeout that would have been penalised there as well so again just a little bit sloppy um, on that the eight offensive and the last possession then um, is a three and out on two runs and a bad pass and then they punt uh, with Summer miss, Summer's missing um, a tackle then on that return so the defence is a different beast in the second half so they start really well great coverage by Redmond good pressure by Gilbert and Kiki they were all over the uh, quarterback in the second half to start and then there's an interception by Sullivan on a really athletic play and he downs it on the five-yard line. That gives her, oh, fantastic field position, which again leads to the touchdown. So again, pretty much like if you look at these um, these touchdowns that we're getting, an awful lot of parts of what the defense are doing, but it's kind of peppered in with some bad penalties and some bad play. Six defensive stand, uh, good stops made, uh, but ultimately the Texans marched down the field with a run and a catch. Uh, one of those, this is the one where Summers was kind of left flat-footed um, I think he's sort of staring at Webb uh, and there's a 12-yard gain then uh, with Sullivan playing too far off. There's a third and 18, ends up with a 15-yard pass. So then we fourth and three and this looked like it had actually been completed. Um, the Texans ended up being inches short but Webb makes a scramble. Sullivan misses the tackle and, and Jamerson leaves too much space off. I mean, at least make your way up to the first down marker and make the tackle there or before and not sort of stand too far off. But he was deemed to be out. Anyway, Texans challenged it. Uh, they didn't end up doing well on that. Uh, seven defensive stand, you know, good on first and second down, some good pressure. Then it's a third and four and it's a 44-yard gain. Even after pressure was brought by Kiki and Jamerson uh, or from Kiki, Jamerson and Rousey on the coverage. Uh, then they rip off an eight-yard run. Uh, then we have some good pressure on second down from Looney, uh, but the pass is caught on the three-yard line again, which is bad from Rouse, uh, or Rousey, uh, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, then second a goal, but it's ran in easily. It's a missed tackle then by Crawford. Now, the Texans missed the extra point, uh, which might have been good for us because they could have maybe maybe went for a two-point conversion um, at the end and tied the game, and we'd have to sort of march on. Kick return, special teams, T.O. Redding fumbles the ball and fumbles the possession away. Uh, but the defense comes on. Uh, they only end up suffering three points with three good defensive plays, including one from Rouse. Um, and then the field goal kicking unit comes on and they make it 28-19. So again, the second last stand from the defense is not great. Sheldon missed tackle, gives up a first down. Then they let a 16-yard pass in. 
six yard pass then there's an interception reeled in by Sheldon but he fumbles it away uh, then the Texans get the ball back it's a six yard pass then on a fourth and six Sullivan uh, clean through should have gotten the sack but misses um, and then does us a favour and flops on the ground after he's tackled uh, but Webb runs enough uh, ultimately for, for a first down with a penalty uh, pulls it back so the last defensive stand then again in sort of typical fashion was kind of an embarrassing run um, of events eight yard pass nine yard pass 16 yard pass a ramsey penalty then we have a rouse dpi penalty in the end zone which the ball gets placed at the one yard line first and goal penalty for 12 men on defense and then they just run the ball in for an easy touchdown um after a missed tackle so it's a good thing that on that uh, onside kick that sheldon brings it down but again kind of a sloppy way to end on defense so you know from all the fanfare and there was some great stuff there from reeling in interceptions some good pressure up front uh, the stuff that I'd like to see more of is more effective pressure from Rashan Gary um, and really just better tackling, you know, less of this missed tackle stuff, especially when you're wide open on the quarterback because we're going to face uh, an awful lot of better opposition uh, when we when we reach the regular season. Now, and again, we're going to have better players on the field, let's face it. We're going to have the first stringers on there, but all of this sort of stuff about, look, oh, it's a dynamite defense. There was too many missed tackles, too many wide open receivers, um, especially when we get pressure. And that used to be the thing that used to really grind my gears about Dom Capers. You know, and all of this sort of rhetoric about that he liked to pride himself on not giving up the big play that's exactly what used to happen on third down you could you could, you know we play great on first and second down but the minute third down swung around we were giving up chunk plays um but certainly we made Webb at times look like you know scrambling collar kaepernick uh from days gone by uh, in the sense that he was able to run for 10 plus yards multiple times so i don't think we've seen in that game what we should be seeing from the packers you know, I expect an awful lot more and I think he'll bring it. He's not going to show his hand, but let's just wait till Aaron Rodgers makes his way out with the first stringers. Let's hope we don't get any goddamn injuries, um, but we should see more bunch formations and some inventive stuff with the tight ends. Um, but again, running back, full back, that's in flux then again. So it's like a bit of a tease. We're not going to get to see exactly what this is capable of until we likely get to the regular season and we get people um, off the injury list, if that's even possible, because, you know, this is just, just how it goes, just how it rolls. So let me know your thoughts on the game, the promising stuff that you see. If you agree with me that, uh, you know, this game, although we won, we were kind of slapped around with stats. Um, and also the stuff kind of ended up masking kind of like what we used to do. Um, but again, let's see if the promise is there with the Ravens game. And if anybody is based in Cardiff and Glasgow and you have a sports bar that you know shows NFL and they've no problem with streaming, let me know because I'm fast exhausting my options here. I've, I've racked down through uh, the top sports bars. They've all not been able to help us out. And again, I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to try to be ambitious and I'm going to spend the money on flights and hotels to make it over there and see you guys and have meetups And because it's, it's unbelievable fun and it's great to get to meet everybody uh, and bring the fan club together. So do let me know. Um, but yeah, till the Ravens game on Thursday, I'll speak to you next week. I'll break down that game and hopefully I'll have some better things and some better breakdowns to say. But until then, guys, it's goodbye for next week.